0: Matthew, Josh, you got me back there? Hopefully. So, as, yeah, I think so, right? So, as promised, we made it into Matthew's. But now, here was kind of the dilemma. The dilemma is, is that Christmas is coming up, right? And the first couple of chapters, like, that's Christmas. So, what I decided was that we will kind of pause on the first couple of chapters. We'll come back to it at Christmas, and we'll kind of pick up in chapter 3. Alright, so that's what we're going to do. So if you got your Bible, you can turn there, because um, that's where we're going to spend some time. And the title, Repent Your Way to a Merry Christmas, I don't know, it's kind of goofy, I thought. Um, but there's a little bit of humor in that, and there is some truth to that, as well. But before we kind of dive right in, uh, before we dive right in, um, we're taking a look at a new book. And it's pretty exciting. And we're going to conquer another one as a church, which is very cool. And we're going to conquer a gospel, which is even more uh, cool. So what about this guy, Matthew? What do you know about him? Who is he? Who did he hang out with? Why would God use, uh, why would God choose to write a book through this guy? Like, why would he do that? Who is he? Um, Basically, kind of the short story and the short answer to a lot of that is... He had an alias, like uh, another name, like a lot of people do in the Bible. Um, And his other name was Levi. And his job was essentially, he was like um, a toll, a toll booth operator. It's basically what he did. He was kind of on the main sort of trading routes, the main roads. And he would collect a toll or a tax to people who were going by. Um, And so when he did that, uh, he knew he was Jewish himself. So he knew uh, Aramaic uh, and he also knew Greek uh, because he had to kind of work with both people. He was not really liked too much uh, by his fellow people because what he would do is that he would certainly make sure he got enough taxes so he could pay the government but at the same time he was kind of taking a little bit extra and putting it in his pocket so he had some extra cash. And so really his own people think of it if if it was your friend right you'd kind of think of him as kind of a traitor right not a nice guy not real honest and so he was not really appreciated by too many people really at all so then knowing that about this guy i mean your first thought has to be like why would God, god even use this guy like what what value could he really offer and honestly he was hated among everybody else so wouldn't it just cause more problems for god to choose him it's kind of interesting Um, the good news for us is that God works with anybody no matter who you are and what your background looks like for sure. I mean, that's just like the obvious message that's out there. He worked with uh, anyone no matter who you are, what your past is, how ugly it is. And I think maybe it was even a little bit strategic. If God picks up this guy, you get a guy, number one, um, who's Jewish. Uh, You get a guy who has some strong administrative skills, right? He has to keep good, solid, like, uh, note-keeping, record-keeping. Otherwise, really, he wouldn't have a job. He wouldn't be good at what he does. Um, You get a guy who can speak both languages, right? You get a guy who can uh, speak uh, uh, Greek. You get a guy uh, who can speak uh, Aramaic. And you also get a guy who has a little bit of a pocketbook, who can help finance some things. And so it's a little bit strategic, you know, that God ends up picking him up. And believe it or not, right, he becomes one of the twelve apostles. And actually his brother, he actually has a brother, uh, Joseph was also one of the apostles. So it's pretty interesting how God kind of takes this guy. He was headed one direction in life, and then literally the way it went down was, Jesus walking by and said, hey, come on with me. And it says that he dropped his stuff, dropped his income, dropped his way of life, and he just followed It's remarkable. It's incredible. It's just right there, boom, on the spot. Here we go. Uh, That's pretty radical. I don't know if I could do it. I mean, that... (laughs) Towards a whole other life. Doesn't know where he's headed, what it might involve, but he's just taken off. So, that is who is writing the book. And really, he's writing the book. God is using him to speak to um, other Jews to show them that Jesus really is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And the book focuses a lot about Jesus' teachings. What did he teach? Um, how did he interact with people? What did he focus on? How did he live? And so that's like what the book of Matthew is all about. And we're going to pick up, so hopefully I had a chance to um, turn to chapter 3. Um, that's what we're going to be. Uh, and before I take a look at it, this is what I want to kind of prep you with. Okay? So, Matthew chapter 3 has a lot to do with baptism. Okay? Okay? Um, And as I look back and as I thought about it, um, I I think about um, our church and where God is taking us and how he's working. One of the highlights, there's a bunch of different highlights, but one of them that certainly sticks out there is right at the top of the list. um, Is our baptism service uh, that we had during the summer, which we'll do again next summer and I hope even more come out. More people get baptized. Um, Was this... uh, was this morning, and you know, remember that morning, like it was really rainy, crappy weather, you know, but we just had that window just in between, from like 12 to 4, I think it was, and it was just, the sun came out, it turned out to be perfect, the water was nice, it wasn't freezing. Um, And we had people step up and say, you know what, Um, I know what baptism is about, I understand it's almost like drawing a line in the sand, and I'm just going to commit to following Christ and I'm going to let everybody know it by this action. That's pretty heavy duty. Especially if you're able to think about it for a little while, know that what that entails. That you actually make God the center, make Him the focus. And then do it in front of everybody else. Because now everybody's going to be watching and they're certainly going to want to know kind of what happens. Right? So it was a, um, definitely one of the highlights of the year for sure. Um so let's take a look uh at John three here, and we'll read about him right here. I abbreviate it, so that's John the Baptist. uh When he shows up on the scene, it's really a fulfillment and prophecy because for about four hundred years, it was quiet. Remember, It's like if you have your Bible when you would to turned back to like Malachi uh and, and books prior to that. It's been about 400 years since the prophet like really stuck up. So he was like the next guy after like 400 years to really come up on the scene. And he was actually a cousin. He's a cousin of Jesus himself. He's only six months older than Jesus. So he finally steps up on the scene. Um, and it is pretty remarkable. Uh, we're going to look at Isaiah 43, which is in our text. Last time, 400 years before, here's what God said. He said, I'm going to send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So, 400 years before, God said, hey listen, this guy's going to show up. He's going to kind of be the guy who's going to prepare the way. He's going to be like the big PR guy, really, for Jesus Christ before he shows up. He's going to lay the groundwork. He's going to give you a little taste of what this is about. And then the Messiah, then the Christ is going to show up on the scene. So it's very significant that John the Baptist shows up. This is huge, huge news. So, if you go on the internet, right? I like to do this. If you go on the internet and you Google John the Baptist, okay? Some things come up, right? So if you Google them, I think this one on the right uh, was from a Catholic website. Uh, Saints Fun Facts says when he was 30 years old, he began preaching on the banks of the Jordan River against the evils of his time. He attracted very large crowds. He called men to penance and baptism for the kingdom of heaven was close at hand. And then he says, right? And the quote there says, it is I who should be baptized by you. Right? Remember he said that to Jesus. Um, and so you have him looking, kind of what he might look like with long hair. That was the one over there. It's a guy trying to look like him. Uh, says that he had long hair. His clothes uh, were of uh, camel's hair. He had a leather belt. He ate locusts and honey. He grew up in the mountains. He's kind of like a—he's a burly guy. So if you could get like Survivor Man and Bear Grylls and kind of put them together and separate them from people for a long time, like you might get somebody that looks like and acts like John the Baptist. Uh, and he's probably not afraid of offending anybody. Could probably kind of, kind of crash sometimes. And but he just tells it how it is. You know, it's kind of the guy who he is. Um, and so if you wanted to put a mental picture with John the Baptist, maybe you'd get a picture maybe like that. Now personally, I really like the next slide because. I think it's hilarious. And uh, you might think of John the Baptist in a whole new way. John the Baptist the cat saves another soul. <laughs> right? That is just a hilarious <laughs> picture, I thought. I was just laughing out loud uh, when I saw that. And so, um, John the Baptist the kitty uh, saving souls. So, without further ado, let's, um, let's take a look at what actually happened. So you got a little bit of background about Matthew. And Matthew is writing about this guy, John the Baptist. And so let's see what this is all about. So Matthew chapter 3 says, In those days, John the Baptist came. Right? We just talked about who he is and how that's significant. He was preaching in the desert of Judea. So this guy, he shows up on the scene and he's preaching. He's proclaiming and he's saying what? What is his message? saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So he's out in the desert. What's his message? He's saying, Everybody, repent. Like you got to change. Like You have this God thing mixed up about how to like live for God. It's mixed up right now. And we'll explain how they mixed that up. So in verse 4 it says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. It's quite the diet, right? High in protein and some sweets. Um, People went out to meet him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Interesting. They came confessing their sins and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. It's an interesting scene, right? We didn't do that in our ceremony, like we didn't have somebody come forward and be like, um, I need to confess that I did this, 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 and just like this whole confession session, and then they get baptized. Um, I, I don't really know if we want to do that. Maybe it's more biblical to do that. I don't really know yet. Um, but everybody there, I think, obviously realizes that, hey, they have sin in their life. God has to be at the center, and that's what I'm doing, right? That's what this is all about. But that's the way they did it then. They'd confess their sins out loud, and then they'd get baptized, course you always have some haters in the crowd so in verse 7 says uh, but when he saw many of the pharisees and the sadducees so those are like the religious leaders right we should know them well from the book of acts right the pharisees were um, guys that kind of stuck by the book stuck by the law the sadducees were guys who also kind of believed in it but they didn't believe in angels they didn't believe in like spirits they didn't believe in a resurrection and so there's always like a little tiff with these guys but nonetheless they're religious leaders And so they come, and they're watching. And so John the Baptist, who pulls no punches, he says, he just comes out and calls him a name. That's not really a way to make friends. He says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Right, don't think that just because like, you're Jewish and just because you have Abraham in your lineage that that's going like, to help you out and quote-unquote save you or make you right with God. It says that I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. It's not really that big deal to say you know, what you're a part of because God can do it with the stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we saw that in Acts. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. We'll kind of continue on here. It says, Then Jesus... Just kind of shows up on the scene, comes on his own, doesn't really bring a posse or squad with him. He just shows up. He hears about him, comes to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Says, but John tried to deter him, saying, "No, I need to be baptized by you, just like the cartoon said, right?" And do you come to me? Jesus replied, "Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness." Then John consented. He's okay. You're the boss. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. And so right at the close, at Jesus' own baptism, you see the whole Trinity, right? People always have a little beef with the Trinity, right? How could that really work? Does it make sense? It's a little three-in-one thing. But it's right there, right? You have have the Son, right? You have the Spirit come down. And the Father actually talks about it, right? So the Trinity is right there, and that's how it it closes up. Um, This same story is also in Luke chapter 3. And so if you'd like this week, and you'd like to go back and read a parallel passage and kind of figure out, you know, what's going on in more detail, it's also in Luke chapter 3, which we'll talk a little bit about now. But John the Baptist, while he's out there, His main message was centered around repentance and then how to live it out. He wasn't necessarily a, uh, really a theological sort of debater and orator and trying to like um, get really abstract and heady really on people. It was um, practical living. Listen, you need to like figure out why you're doing it. like you know why are you why do you attend synagogue why are you giving money or why are you not think about the days that you're doing it and then the days that you're not there what do you like and what are you doing like how are you living with your family how generous are you being and so he's a practical everyday kind of guy which i kind of like um i get lost in the theological abstract things where stuff is, can kind of get all over place and get kind of muddied up um fact of the matter is, I've got to live out today, and I've got issues and problems right now today, and so I kind of want to know, how can I be a light for God today, and how is He going to work through me, how is He going to talk to me? I mean, other stuff is, is still important, but I want to know, like, today, what can I do? Where is God? He was helpful with that. He was helpful with that. Um, and the Spirit used him in that way. And it was interesting how God used, God used John the Baptist to really... Um, used him as like a mirror so people see, oh my goodness, this is why I'm doing things. Um, This is what it looks like and this is what it's about. My goodness, I have it wrong. Like, what can I do next? Right? God used him to kind of like get that reaction going. Um, That's kind of the, um, well, we'll take a look here. His message, if you kind of detail it out and if you look at Luke chapter 3, it focused of sincerity, sincerity, focused of generosity, uh, focused on greediness, extortion, right? These are common everyday uh, things that each people deal with. And that's kind of like where he hit home because he was a practical guy. Um, Sincerity, meaning that your relationship with God matters seven days a week, 24 hours a day, all the time, um, with even your motivations, with even like in your pocketbook, with even how you... um, In your mind, right? It's all aspects, all parts, all the time. And these guys were thinking, well, hey, like we're Jewish. We have Abraham and God gave the covenant to Abraham. And so, we're special people. And God has chosen us. We're the chosen one. And part of that is true. They are chosen. But, you still have to make their peace with God. And this still has to be right with God. And at the end of the day, it has to be sincere. It has to be sincere. A transparent relationship between you and God. Um, Generosity Because he noticed that people were there And they had a bunch of things Um, And they weren't being generous So he told them You know what Share your food Share your clothes Uh, If you have uh, two items of clothing Go ahead and share one of them Uh, Greediness Uh, He's talking to the tax collectors So a guy like Matthew His ears probably really perked up You know And he was talking to the tax collectors Uh, Don't take any more than you're required to You know, take what you're supposed to take. Um, Really, you know, don't take advantage of people. And then he was talking to the soldiers. You know, don't take advantage of your position because they would extort people. like, you know, I'm a soldier. I have some power. um, And I'm going to demand some money from you. Um, It was a remarkable thing to have these people. There were Jews and Gentiles there, but mainly Jews. And to have a Jew confess that they're as far away from God as a Gentile. And that they need to get right and get baptized. That's huge. That is huge. They're saying, okay, it, it, I'm glad that I'm part of the chosen sort of people. Um, but, but that's not it. I'm as far away even as a Gentile, which like they hated. You know, they wanted nothing to do with it. They're unclean. Didn't want that. And But... God used John the Baptist to bring to the point to say, oh, I'm just as far as they are. Like, we're all on the same playing field. It remarkable. It, it's remarkable. It's incredible. It's miraculous that, that that would even happen. I mean, how do you break through somebody's thought processes, like biases, uh, prejudices towards other people? How do you do that? You can't reason with people like that. Because they already got their own thing. They already got their own agenda. But God, the great surgeon, was able to do it. And here's how he did it, right? This led them to a realization and then to a question. That's kind of the way this scenario worked from what we read, both in Matthew 3 and in Luke 3. They realized something and then it led them to a question and then really led them to an action. Probably should have put three things up there, right? So a realization, I need a need for repentance. And then a question, what can we do? Right, because they got brought to the place of, oh my goodness, you know, I, I'm just trying to live in my heritage. I'm I'm just trying to uh, live off of the chosen one, or right in more modern day terms, I'm trying to live off um, the fact that, hey, I went to church seven days a week, or my parents were still religious, or my family has been pretty good. Um, that's what I'm hoping to get by on. But then when God used John the Baptist and put things into perspective, they realized, oh my goodness, that's not it. Like, that's not... At the end of the day, it's just about me and God and the issue of sin and was it taken care of. That's what it's about. And then when they became realized, they're like, oh my goodness, you know now, what can I do? What could my response possibly be? And for them, what did they do? They got baptized. And I think that cycle of thinking should probably always happen with us and it's kind of a lifestyle. I would hope that you realize what you're doing. God speaks to you in a certain way and He says, hey, listen, you should probably stay away from that. Uh, thinking like that's going, you know, not real good for you. Um, you should be more patient in that area. Um, you should be more generous in that area. Like, those type of things. And, and then, as God brings those to you, hopefully you don't fight it and be like, no, 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 no. And, and kind of put it off or ignore it or Hopefully, you respond and say, okay, God, I, all right, I see it. You're trying to show me something. And um, where can I maybe plug in? What, uh, what can I do about it? You know, hopefully, that cycle kind of happens kind of on a regular basis. Um, there's a quote that I've heard before, and I don't even um, know where it came from, but the quote was, um, you know, the Christian life is just a series of simple truths profoundly expressed to me time and time again. It's just a, it's a pretty, just simple truth throughout the Bible as far as being patient, uh, selfless, having self-control. Um, and just realizing them in different situations all of the time, to me. Right? Because whatever I might experience might be profound to me, to you, you'd be like, well, yeah, what would you think that meant? Like, right? But when it actually is profound, you're like, oh my goodness, you know, now I see it, you know, it went off. The aha moment. So, baptism was kind of the big theme, and here's what happened. So, baptism, in layman's terms, and so when we were in my living room, and we were talking about the whole baptism thing, and just to make sure everybody understood, like, what was going on, and, you know, what we were talking about, it's an outward sign of an inward change. Essentially, that's what it is. Layman's terms, real easy, real simple, uh, and then we even talked about it um, on the beach. uh, You know, use it as a wedding ring. You know, whether I take my wedding ring off or I have it on, I'm still married, right? It's just an outward sign. Everybody knows... Um, I can't take it off and then be not married right that's ridiculous So can't do that um, but that's what baptism is now if you're looking for more details you can certainly get more detailed and the Bible can help you out with that and so if you'd like more details right they're up there um, and we could take some of them down oh yeah, too bad you can't see some of the verses up there um, but here's some of the details right um, all f- followers of Jesus should be baptized like that's something that should happen. Can you go to heaven and not be baptized? Sure. You can absolutely do it. Um, but while you're here, and you have time, and Christ has really taken over your life, why not just make a public proclamation and say so? Jesus was baptized. Pretty good model to follow. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit, right? That's when actually power comes on, like you read in the book of Acts. Baptism is closely linked with a changed Life, Hopefully. And that was John's big beef with these religious leaders. He said, hey, listen, you guys are like the religious leaders. You're telling people how to live and how to follow God and you're supposed to be helping them. But like you don't have any fruit of that in your own life. In fact, uh, you're more nitpicky, more critical, more of a fault finder than anybody else out here. In fact, you just lay them on with burdens so you can kind of feel good about yourself. He said, you got it totally, totally wrong. It's not about manipulation. It's about so serving It's about serving. And they totally, totally missed it. We read in Acts that entire families of the early church are baptized. Um, they come into the whole house and everybody just got baptized right there in the spot. Uh, it initiates us into Christ and salvation is identified with baptism. Um, usually when somebody makes a profession of faith to Christ and they say, I want you at the center of my life. Uh, I believe what Jesus did and I want to follow you. Uh, And they have time. Life doesn't, you know, cut their time short. Hopefully, it's a priority to get baptized, right? So that's it in detail, but that's it in layman's terms. Right? That's what baptism is really all about. Am I going to show everybody what's really happened inside of me? And do I want to follow the model that Jesus himself did? if you want more details, it's there. Um, So here's the next kind of thought I think that we should um, talk about right the first thought kind of what is baptism because that's what we're talking about um but the next thought is uh are you a fruity christian right do you have some fruit right so what am i talking about um fruity christian stuff well in galatians 5 5 22 and you could turn there if you want you don't have to um the fruit of the spirit right and if you went to sunday school you probably did them love joy peace right gentleness self-control patience all of these things those are the fruit we should be abounding in so that's what Paul that's what John was saying John the Baptist was saying hey listen produce fruit in keeping with this what kind of fruit are we talking about not raspberries not oranges but we're talking about do you have more love in your life now that Christ is in it than maybe three years ago when he was also there is that in greater abundance do you have more joy on a regular basis or do you find yourself easily stressed out and frustrated is there more peace, despite whatever circumstances it might bring? Because God never promised an easy road. In fact, honestly, it's going to get more difficult. But the peace should be there, or it should at least be in the process of. It should be headed in that direction. Hopefully it's not going the other way, right? Hopefully it's not going the other way. Kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that like, should be producing fruit, should be growing in abundance as we're Christians. That's what John the Baptist is talking about. When you get baptized, these type of things hopefully are headed in the right direction and you're taking steps to get there. Fruity Christian, right? We can be fruity Christians, okay? It's a good thing. I like this quote, it says John the Baptist saying that there should be proof of the new life. The fruit. This is important. I thought it was a great quote: "The fruit is not the change of heart, but the acts which result from it." Some me when get really worked up and really excited about, boom, you know, I made the decision, I got baptized chill time like no that, you just got this thing started like we just got the ball rolling let's get into it now let's see what God can really do through you let's see what happens when you submit all areas of your life to him and see where he might bring that that's the life that we're headed towards that's what we're trying to go for and so hopefully there are some acts from that and so hopefully there are some stories from that and so hopefully there is some more fruit from that And so the last part um, that I certainly wanted to talk about is that we close up at the end there. If we take a look um, back at the end in verse 12. It's interesting. It says in verse 12, John the Baptist closes up like this. He says, His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. What the heck is that about? That seems kind of bizarre and random and why would he really throw that in there? Right? It's just sort of like he just switched gears on us. Well, what it really means and if you look back even to uh, Luke chapter 3 and I put some other passages for you up there and you can write them down if you want and then check them out during the week. Fact of the matter is he is going to make a judgment call at the end here. There's going to be a separation. He's going to do it. And he compares it to a guy who's at a threshing floor with his wheat into the barn, burning up the chaff. And so what they would do, say, be in the barn, be in an area, uh, be kind of a pretty good size, and they would have um, these huge piles of wheat. He'd have, like, his big fork in his hand. Uh, That should, like, have all this stuff up here. Wouldn't that be fun? So it should all be up here. I blew that. So it should all be up here. The hay should be there. The winnowing fork should be in my hand. I should be sticking it in there and then I should be throwing it in the air. And what happens is, right, the chaff will kind of uh, f- fall down and then the wheat kernels is a little bit heavier and it'll kind of fall into a separate place. And so the lighter chaff kind of comes off of there and the wheat kernels stay right there. And then you just get that and you just keep doing it. You keep doing it. And what happens is you get your couple of piles. You take your one pile, right, of um, all that chaff that you have and you just go burn it and you get rid of it. It's quite the illustration. Um, That's not my illustration, but that's God's illustration of how he's going to kind of handle things at the end. Judgment is coming. He's going to separate it. And the fact of the matter is we want to be in the right pile. Right? We want to make sure. We want to make sure that God is at the center there because he's going to make that choice. Um, and, of course, the big issue, you know, or one of the big issues going around now is, you know, what is it really hell and what is it going to look like and all of that stuff. And, and we'll get there. I, I promise you, we'll get there. This, this book brings us there and we'll be right into it. This is kind of just a taste of it. Um, there is a hell, certainly, and we'll see what it looks like. But there is judgment coming. He's going to make that judgment. And how is he going to judge me? And how is he going to judge um, some little kid in Amazon forest who's never even heard of a Bible or of a person named Jesus? How is he going to do it? It's a pretty good question. I don't have a bottom line, clear-cut, boxed-off, perfect answer. All I do know is that God is certainly going to be fair. I can tell you that much. Because I can also tell you that he's doing everything he possibly can to get us into heaven. But I can also tell you that his son dying on the cross is no joking matter. Not at all. So, we're going to see where that stuff goes. And as we get into the book of Matthew, we'll talk more about it. Um, if that was my son, uh, if that was little Jaron on the cross, I'd be pretty picky. I'd be pretty picky, you know? But, we do know that God is fair, and he's got a supreme amount of love and a supreme amount of grace that we can't even imagine. And so that's also part of the equation. Um, So we'll see. We'll see as we go through the book of Matthew. But the point being is that John closes his message with being, listen, repent now. Make that decision towards Christ today and in this moment because that time is coming. You have no idea what might happen. No idea when your time is. And I'm sure each of you know people or have stories of when, holy cow, that just happened all of a sudden taken. Boom. And we hope. Hope, hope, hope. Right? They made it right with God. I was having breakfast with Julie one time you know, in the restaurant. I had a girl uh, come in from high school. Uh, she walked in and I was like, oh, she was a few years older than me. I was like, oh, such and such. You know, I said hi to her. That afternoon. Car accident. That was it. Just never know. Just like, just never know. Um, so hopefully, right, you have made your peace with God and you made it right and if you have not we're going to stand and pray and uh, you'll get a chance to. Um, Before we do that maybe we can replay that last song uh, the Be Thou My Vision Uh, it's just a great song just putting God at the center and I think it helps that's what repentance is all about you know just trying to filter out all of my stuff all of Jared's stuff that gets in the way and clutters things up and makes it more complicated You know, just putting God and His Spirit back at the center and just yielding and submitting to that. So be that my vision. So maybe we'll close with that song, and then we'll come back together and pray.